This morning I have brought a picture book, and I can't show you the pictures because you guys are sitting too far away and it's kind of dark in here. All right, but I do want to read it to you a little bit. It's called, My Grandpa is Great. And I'm not going to read all of it, but I am going to read a portion of it. If I can turn my page here. My grandpa is great. He has always lots of time for me, even when he's busy. I always look forward to going to stay with him for the weekend. Grandpa is a lot like me. He loves getting nice and dirty. I just wish Grandma liked him getting nice and dirty, too. And she's, like, surprised, in case you're curious. Uh, my Grandpa is gr a great fisherman, but he always forgets the size of his fish that he caught. Luckily, I'm there to remind him. My grandpa has lots of cool toys, and sometimes he even lets me play with them. See, that didn't go over well in first service either. He has lots of toys, and sometimes he, gets, he lets me get to play with them, right? His toys, okay. I tried. Sometimes grandpa takes me to watch the game, and he is the star of the team. Sometimes, if I'm really lucky, Grandpa lets me sleep in his tent. And when he's with me, I am never afraid. And when it's time to go home, I wave goodbye to Grandpa. He's probably really busy when I'm not there to help him. My Grandpa is so kind and funny. I love going to Grandpa's because my Grandpa is great. All right, I read that story to kind of introduce what we want to talk about today, and that is grandparenting. And, and there, I, ask, I read this story because this is a story that we'll tell our, grand, our kids uh, about what grandparenting is all about. And according to this story, grandparenting is about being a, a friend or a playmate to your grandchildren. And I want us to really think about, is that really what grandparenting is about? And this is a tough question because I think if I asked all the grandparents in this room, uh, we would probably come up with all kinds of different answers on what it means, what the purpose is of grandparenting. Maybe it is that you are a playmate. Maybe it is that you are a dear friend. Maybe it is that you get to spoil your grandkids and send them back to their parents when you're done. What is the point what is the purpose of being a grandparent? Uh, our world has changed in the last 150 years. Uh, 150 years ago, the average life expectancy of someone born uh, in the 1900s, I know it's not quite 150 years, was 50. 50. All right, 50 years was all you're expected to live. Uh, now it's somewhere over the age of 80, and so we're living 30 years longer, and we usually retire somewhere around 65, 67 if we get lucky, right? And so that means we get 15 years of retirement. What are we doing with that time? Uh, on top of this, uh, we are a lot more wealthy than what we used to be 150 years ago, uh, it was not unusual to find grandparents living with their grandkids because it's just too expensive to own two houses. But now we retire and 
Again, if we're lucky, we get a check from the government. Maybe we have a pension plan. Maybe, maybe we have a retirement account. And we are expected that once we hit retirement to take care of ourselves. And if not, then maybe you get to go to a home. So, so what is this purpose of grandparenting? What, what is the role of a grandparent within society? What is the role of a grandparent within the family units? What is the role of a grandparent within the church? And I think these are, are difficult questions sometimes to ask just because we don't have a clear idea. But I think that if we look into the Bible, we will find that there is a purpose for grandparents. I think that grandparenting is a blessed resource that we should not waste. Grandparenting is a blessed resource that we should not squander in this life. If you are a grandparent, you are valuable. You are one of the most important people in the lives of children. There was a survey done a couple of years ago, uh, and, and one of the things that they asked was a group of teenagers. They asked them, who is your role model? And they couldn't answer their parents because every other study that asked this question, parents tend to be on the top of the list. So they said, besides your parents, who do you look up to? And the number one answer by far was grandparents. And so if you're a grandparent, you have a vital role in the lives of your grandkids. You are the second most influential person in their lives. And I get it. Sometimes you talk to your grandkids and they don't seem like they're listening to you. I, I talk to my kids as a, as a parent and it doesn't seem like they're listening to me. All right? But what we see from research after research is that they actually are. That grandparents, they're looking at you. And they're asking the very important question, is what you believe worth it? Is what you follow worth me following? And so you are a valuable resource. Besides parents, you are the number two influencer in the lives of your grandkids. So what are you doing with it? See, we have a problem in the church, and not Kentucky Road, but, but all of church in America is what I'm talking about. And the problem is, is that we've created a segregation. And it's not segregation necessarily based on race, but it's a segregation based on age. When we look around this room today, we see a handful of kids. If you go to first service, you would see that the youngest person in our church in first service is Jacob our youth minister. And why? A lot of it's because we've taken our kids and we said, hey, why don't you go somewhere else? Why don't you go learn your own thing? And, and, and I've done it. I have no, I understand as a parent, you want to be able to sit and listen, not have your child screaming into your ear. So I, I get it. But the problem is, is that this has created a couple of different dynamics within the church. Uh, one dynamic is that we have left the spiritual questions and we've expected the professionals, quote unquote, to answer those questions. 
So on Tuesday morning, when your grandchild comes up to you and says, Grandma, Grandma, what did this mean, this story that we learned about on Sunday? You have no idea what they're talking about. And so what do you do? You say, well, let's ask Jacob. And there's really no problem with that. Jacob probably knows the answer. I hope he does since we've hired him here. All right. So, so there's no problem with doing that. The problem is, is that we've pushed off these questions that they are coming to us for a very important reason because they respect us and they want to know what we believe. That's how influential you are. As a grandparent, they're asking you those questions because they respect you. And they want to know what you think about it. And so when we keep saying, go ask Jacob, go ask the minister, go ask somebody else, eventually what's going to happen is they're going to stop asking. The second problem is that it creates this culture where we aren't needed. Where really my purpose in coming to church is to sit in the pew and listen to someone talk about the Bible, and then that's all the spiritual needs that we need. But when it comes to developing faith in our children, I'm the least effective person. Jacob is the least effective person. The most effective person are the parents and the grandparents. So you, as grandparents, are valuable. You are a precious resource. And you have a task to do. What are you doing with it? See, if you're not dead, God is not done with you. And we may think that we've done our time, that someone else needs to step up now, but the reality is you are to be fruitful even in your old age. And your grandchildren, they need you, not someone else. Your children, they need you, not someone else. And maybe you don't have grandchildren that are coming to this church. Maybe your grandchildren are miles away, and that is okay. You can still influence them, but you can also become a surrogate grandparent. There are lots of kids in this church that don't have grandparents coming to this church. And you can be that grandparent for them. So don't think that if you're not a grandparent right now that you cannot be in this role. You are valuable. You are important. You are necessary. And you matter. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Ruth chapter 4. We're going to talk about this grandparents that we call Naomi. Ruth chapter 4. The uh, book of Ruth tells a story about a girl named Ruth and a boy named Boaz and how they find love and they get married and all this wonderful stuff. But what's interesting is that the book of Ruth doesn't actually start with Ruth. It starts with Naomi. 
And Naomi has a husband, and they have two sons, and they travel to a distant land. And while they're there, Naomi's husband and sons pass away unexpectedly. Uh, Naomi decides to return home, and Ruth, uh, Naomi's daughter-in-law, insists that she comes as well. And so they come back to this land, and then we get this wonderful story of love. And then the book ends with Naomi. And so it's interesting, it's called the book of Ruth when really the bookends are about Naomi. And so we want to read this last part of Naomi's life and what happens with her. So Ruth chapter 4 verses 13 through 15 reads like this. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When they had made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. So we see uh, in this story three different attitudes that I think if we can implement in our lives, we can be great grandparents. And we see here the story of Naomi becoming a grandparent. You know, Ruth has fallen in love. They have this child. And when the women find out about it, the first thing they do is they come to Naomi And if you remember, in chapter 1 of Ruth, we see that Naomi returns, and everyone's happy for her. Hey, it's Naomi. She has returned. And Naomi says, don't be happy for me. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because my life is full of bitterness. And she's upset because the Lord's hand has turned against her. Her husband is dead. Her sons are dead. And her life is is in misery, and here at the end, everything changes because now there is joy. And what we see is that when a grandchild comes into someone's life, it should be joyful. It should be a joyful moment that we celebrate. The women, they come, and they're celebrating with Naomi. Grandparenting is a gift from God. Grandparenting is a gift from God. And we should see grandchildren as a joyful gift that God has given us. And it should be easy for us, right? I don't have grandkids yet, thankfully. All right? But if you have grandkids, you know that it is a joyful moment to celebrate the birth of this child. And there's a reason why grandparents are around spoiling them, right? It's because it's a joyful gift. And, and we have to recognize that. Throughout the Bible, we see that this is constantly something that's brought up, that grandchildren are a gift. And the reason is, is because life hasn't always been as long as it is now. You know, most people didn't live to be 80. Most people live to be 50. And in that culture, uh, a man usually got married at about 30. And so if you got married at 30, had a son the first year that you were uh, married, the likelihood of him marrying and giving you grandchildren before you died was very slim. And so grandchildren 
are a gift. Because long life is a gift from God. In Psalm 128, we read these words. May you live to see your children's children. Interesting, grandparenting is only, that word is only used two times in the Bible. Most of the time it's done like this. Children's children. And your children's children are your grandchildren. And so this is a blessing in Psalm 128. May you live long enough to see your grandchildren, because not all of us get to do that. Not all of us get to have this joy of grandchildren. And so we can miss this point. I mean, we can sometimes miss the joy that grandchildren bring us. Sometimes, I will admit it, children can be a nuisance. When they're asking you questions that you've answered five times already and they're steep asking it, sometimes it can be a nuisance. But we should not let that steal our joy. Sometimes kids are kids and they play, and they may play in places you don't really want them to. Maybe you're at Walmart and they suddenly decide to play hide-and-seek with you being the person that has to go find them. It's not always fun. And sometimes we can get kind of annoyed at our kids and our grandkids, but we should not miss the fact that they are a blessing. And it can bleed into our church. You know, there's sometimes our kids just play. And they run around the church, and, and, and as grandparents, sometimes we can be like, stop running. As a parent, I say, stop running. And sometimes we can get angry that these children are here. But really, we have to recognize there was a time where at Kentucky Road, there wasn't a whole lot of children here. And so rather than being angry that they're running around playing, maybe we should be excited that there's children here. That our church is brimming with them at times. That they're having to move from a classroom up there because they just don't have enough room to the fellowship hall in order to teach them about God. Do you know who is the most excited about children? It's those who are in nursing homes. And if you've never been, if you've never been to a nursing home, I encourage you to go just to talk to some of the people there. I try to, when I go, take one of my children, and it's like a magnet. Uh, you bring in my daughter, uh, who's four years old, I believe, and, and, and I have a lot. I have to think about how old they are, okay? <laughs> She's four, right? Okay. I bring in my daughter, who's four years old, and instantly, I could be in a room and, 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 It'd be packed full of people, and the people that are in the way back, they inst- it's like they know there's something different. And they turn, and they see my daughter, and their, light, their face lightens up, and they're smiling. And they try to interact with her. What's your name? And when she runs around the table like she shouldn't, uh, they go, ah. And I think, as grandparents, That should be us. And even if it's with kids that aren't our kids, that should be us. Because we are a valuable resource. 
if we don't have the right attitude that they are a blessing, not just to us, but to the church, if we don't have that attitude, the kids will pick up on it. And they'll know when they're wanted or when they're not wanted. And if we don't even have this joyful attitude that there are children, they're going to pick up on that and they're going to leave. We have to believe that they are a blessing and a gift from God. Uh, Proverbs 17, 6 says this, the children's children, so grandchildren, are a crown to the aged. Uh, who gets to wear crowns in this world? Kings, queens. So how many of you in this room are a king or a queen? All right, some people are being smart, Alex, and raising their hands. Okay. We don't get to wear crowns. Only certain people get to wear crowns, but what the Bible says is that if you are an aged person, your grandchildren are your crown. What a blessing that even though we aren't kings and queens, we have grandchildren who serve as our crown. And so we need to have this attitude, this attitude that children are a blessing, that grandparenting, that the ability to be a grandparent is a blessing from God. I think Naomi gets this. I think as the women are coming, she is joyful as well. And so she is celebrating the birth of her grandson. And it doesn't stop there. The story doesn't end with this celebration. What we see is that Naomi picks up the son this grandson, and she cares for him. This is what it says in verse uh, 16 and 17. It says, Then Naomi took the child into her arms, and she cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed, which means servant, which is kind of weird because normally the parents get to name children, uh, but for some reason they get to name this child. Okay, So they name him Obed, and Naomi, notice, is caring for him. And this is the second attitude we need to have. Grandparenting has continued fruitfulness in telling and teaching about God. Grandparenting has continued fruitfulness. Sometimes uh, in our culture, it's a sad commentary when our elderly parents uh, are considered as a burden. And it happens. I mean, sometimes parent, uh, adults send their elderly and aged parents into nursing homes simply because they don't want to take care of them themselves. And, and there's a place for nursing homes. I get that. I understand that sometimes you need to go there to rehab for different things. But sometimes you see people that are just like, I don't have time for my mom, so she's just going into this home. And that's how our culture tends to treat elderly people. I think that's a reason why when we ask, what is the purpose of grandparenting? There's like, oh, it's to spoil the grandkids as long as they can. That's because we don't understand that, that as grandparents, you should be fruitful. You have a purpose, you have value, and God expects you in the last third of your life to do something for him. I mean, our church in America has a problem. We have kids who are growing up in the church and when they get old enough, they leave the church. 
And then sometimes we get kind of angry at the kids while they're just making bad choices, they'll eventually come back. But the reality is, research after research shows us that's not true anymore. They're not coming back. And so if they leave, they're, we might as well assume that they're gone forever. And we can blame them for making bad choices, but ultimately we're going to have to stand in front of God and we're going to have to answer the question, what did we do with our grandkids? And we're going to have to answer the question, were we fruitful throughout the entirety of our lives? That's a question you're going to have to answer yourself. I can't answer this for you. And sometimes I think we like to get to this age in the church where we finally say, you know what, I've done my share, it's time for someone else to step up. But the reality is, is that if you're not dead, God's not done with you. God expects you to be fruitful even in the last days of your life. We are not meant to be passive. Notice that Naomi is not passive with her grandson. Ruth and Boaz, they haven't abandoned their son. They're still taking care of him. But Naomi has taken it upon herself to also take care of him. Because it's her responsibility. And when children walk away from the Lord, it's not always because they've made bad choices. Sometimes it's because we as parents have failed, and sometimes it's because we as grandparents have failed. We need to be fruitful throughout our entire lives. Psalm 92 talks about a palm tree, and this is what it says. It says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted into the house of the Lord, and they will flourish in the courts of our gods, and they will still bear fruit when? In their old age. This palm trees that are talked about, they, they are, are palm trees that don't do coconuts but do dates. All right? And these dates grow on these things, and uh, they, would, they say that you can harvest up to hundreds of pounds of dates on a tree that is over 150 years old. So if God is expecting you to be as fruitful as a palm tree, if you are 150, you are expected to be fruitful still. And if you're under 150, you're expected to be fruitful. We have to take responsibility for the spiritual growth of our children and our grandchildren and place it on our shoulders. So how do we do that? Well, I think there's two things that we can do. Uh, one is I think we can tell them about how God has interacted in our lives. For us as grandparents, you are a lot older than your grandkids in case you didn't know that. For some of you, you are 40, 50, even 60 years older than your grandkids, which means that you have 40, 50, and even 60 years of life experience more than what they have. And so when your grandchild is in high school and they're dealing with all the social mess that high school brings with it, and they're not quite sure what they're doing, they're just bawling their eyes out, you can go up to them and say, you know what, I was there. And I got through because God was with me. Grandmas, when you have a granddaughter who has, her boy, has a boy break her heart and she is crying to you, you can say, I've been there. And God got me through. 
we need to share our stories. Because what they're asking us is, is this thing real? Is what we read and hear true? Does it apply to my lives? And if we never tell them about how this has applied to my life, then they're going to think that this is false. Not worth it. And so if we want to be fruitful with our grandchildren's lives, then we need to tell them about how God has gotten us through. And the second thing we need to do is we need to teach them about this. We should bring our conversations back to here and say, this is what God says. And if we want to be great grandparents who are fruitful throughout the entirety of our lives, we have to be telling them and teaching them about God's word. We have to have the right attitude that grandkids are a blessing. We have to have the right actions that we need to be fruitful in telling and teaching about God, and we have to have the right vision. And I think Naomi has the right vision. At the very end of this story, in verse 17, we read that they named the child Obed, and his father was Jesse, and his father, or and he was the father of David. And I think the book ends here with the genealogy, not just because they're trying to show who David is, but I think they ends with the genealogy so that we can understand something important. Who is David? David is the guy that God says, you are going to be the king of Israel. David is the guy who came to the battlefield while the rest of the Israelites were shaking in fear and says to the giant Goliath, my God will win this day. David is the one that in the New Testament we're told is a man after God's own heart. David is the one that if we really want to have faith and, and, and have something that God is pleased with, we simply need to emulate his life. And David's father was Jesse. And Jesse's father was Obed. And Obed's grandma was named Naomi. As grandparents, we have a responsibility to leave a heritage for generations to come. Grandparenting is a responsibility of leaving a heritage for generations to come. And if our vision of the future is simply to raise our kids to an age where they can finally go off by themselves and we say, my job is done, we are too short-sighted. We have a greater responsibility than just to our kids. We have a responsibility to our grandkids and their kids after them. Do you have a family heirloom? Something that's been passed down from generation to generation in your family? Uh, for my family, it's the farm that I grew up on. Actually, the house that I grew up in for most of my childhood, it was the same house that my grandmother was born and raised in. And I talked to my mom this week, and she said that the farm that we live on, uh, it's been in our family for six generations now. And with God's blessings, uh, it will be something that's passed down to me and my brother and my cousin. 
And, and again, with God's blessing, we can pass it down to our children, and hopefully their children will also get it. Six generations in counting. And our faith has to be like that. My faith is. I mean, I remember my grandma taking me uh, and my mom to church and, and learning from my grandma what it meant to follow God. Uh, when I was able to drive, I remember uh, at least once a week going to my grandma's. And to be fair, it probably was because she had internet and my house did not. Yes, there was a time when that was possible. But I went there, and even though I was getting on the internet to do stuff for school, my grandma was there talking to me as well. And I don't know if I would be standing here exactly the same way if my faith in my grandma wasn't passed down to me. And so that's my hope, that my faith will be passed down to my children. And if all five of my kids have five kids of their own, and those have five kids of their own, when I have great-great-grandchildren, there will be 625 of them. And here, here's my hope and my prayer. I pray that all 625 of my great-grandchildren will know who Jesus is. And I pray that it doesn't skip anybody in the generations to come, so that by the time I have great-great-grandchildren, I'll have 780 people of my family who know who Jesus is. That needs to be our vision. Not our kids, although we, they are important and we need to pass down our faith to them. Not just our grandkids, but their kids and the kids after them. Notice what it says in Psalm 78. It says, He decreed statutes. God made commandments for Jacob, and he established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to do what? To teach their children, so that that next generation would know them, and even their children yet unborn, and they in turn would tell their children, that they would put their trust in God and that they would not forget his deeds, but keep his commands. And the hope of the psalmist is that we would tell our children who would tell their children who would tell their children who would tell their children about who God is and what he has done for us and how he is mighty and how he is powerful and how he has told us how to live in this world. And if our vision stops at our kids, we are missing the point. Imagine the possibilities. If 780 of my kids are following God faithfully and are giving to the church and are reaching out into a lost world who desperately need to know who God is, imagine the impact they can have. That's why. We need to be great-grandparents. That's why we should not waste the valuable resource that is us. That's why we should be teaching our kids and our grandkids. That's why the responsibility is on us and why we need to be fruitful even when we are 80, even when we are 90. Because if we don't, Who's going to? 
And when you stand before God, how are you going to answer that question? Grandparents are a valuable resource, and you should not waste that. You're the second most important person in the lives of your grandkids. And it's your job to pass on your faith to them. It's your job to take them onto your knee and to tell them about God. It's your job to care for them. And when their parents aren't living the life that they should be living, it's your job to show them what that life should look like. And maybe you don't have grandkids that are coming to church right now. And maybe you've made mistakes in this in the past. But now is a good time to start over. And now is a good time to take one of those kids that don't have grandparents here, or maybe don't have grandparents that even believe in God, and to say, I will be your grandparents. Our kids in our church, they need you. And they need you to care and love them You are valuable. And we as parents, we need you to step up and to be grandparents to our kids so that our kids will know about God so that they can tell their kids. Can we do that? Let me pray for you. Dear God, we're grateful for Naomi's faith in you and we're grateful that she passed on her faith to Obed and eventually it got to this man named David. And Lord, we can learn so much just from this story. Father, help us when we fall short. Help us when we forget that children are joyful. Help us when we forget to talk about you. Help us when we are short-sighted in our vision. Help us, Father, just just to be grandparents that are going to reach through the generations to grandkids that aren't even born yet, that they may know who you are, that they may know how awesome and wonderful you are and how you sent Jesus to die for their sins. And may they believe that. It's your name we pray. Amen.